August 30, 2017. It's a lot from Pedro's show.
in life at that time. You know, I felt a certain amount of responsibility as a worker to help the Spanish people, the workers and the farmers. I felt like I should do what I could to help them. It was Watch for Pedro's show in Pedro, but uh, now with Brother Matt, he's still recovering from the hip surgery, but he's coming along. So everybody, thank you for the well wishes you've been sending him. Uh, through the wonder of those software engineers in Estonia and their creation Skype, I'm not exactly man alone. I am in a two-way with Dan Kaufman there. In, uh, you're in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, that's right, Mike, in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Greenpoint Park. I think that's where we caught glass in, in May. Uh, that sounds man. right. But anyway, I, I'm very uh, honored to have you on the show. Uh, you got uh, this record, this uh, live album you did with Valina uh, uh, Brown and your band Barbez, which I played a lot uh, since you've been flowing me stuff. Uh, 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 Mr. Zorn's uh, Thatic uh, label, and uh, Zadik, I should say, sorry. Uh, but let, let's go way back, Dan. What, what, what's your earliest music uh, memory that you you got in your head? Oh God, maybe buying uh, "Dirty Deeds" under cheat with my sister. Uh, <laughs> then I got into pretty early into the hardcore scene in Madison, Wisconsin, where I grew up. Uh, what about and, when you were a boy, Dan? Was there music in the house? Definitely, my mom. My mom was a harpist. She was a classical harpist. Okay, and my dad, so you had musicians. Okay, not just listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were really, um, well, they did a lot of, my dad grew up singing uh, in the high holidays for the Jewish holidays in, until his voice changed. He would be rented out to synagogues. He grew up in Queens and um, he could actually make some good money. My grandmother, they were not well off at all. They lived in a small rent-controlled apartment in uh, 
Corona Queens. And she Queens, had, we're just talking about the Ramones. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he had a really nice voice and would sing the high holidays at various congregations. So he and my mom were both, they met. Their first date actually was um, singing Renaissance Madrigals. That was the time. Wow. <laughs> Very recent uh, in 1960. So I grew up, yeah, I grew up a- around a lot of music, classical and what Jewish the, music. Music. You think, you think, uh, he had like maybe a future being a canner. He, um, or he just did this know. as a boy. Yeah, I mean, he did it, and then his voice changed, and it wasn't. Ah, uh, oh, that's that's right. That's as um, desirable, his, you know, it just. Um, but yeah, he did have an an exceptionally nice voice, even even later. But as a kind of professional musician, it kind of ended there. Okay, uh, but your mom did harp. My mom did harp. My great uncle was actually a bass player in Tuscanini's NBC Symphony. Um, he he was in the Navy. He grew up playing jazz in like Chicago, kind of Al Capone-style nightclubs. Never went to college, went to high school, then moved to New York after the war and got an audition, uh, was gigging around, um, got an audition for this new NBC Symphony and got the gig. He was an upright bass player. This um, is your mother's brother? It's my mom's uncle. My he's still oh, alive. So your great uncle, my great uncle, okay. and uh, and he's he's an amazing character. He told me like when he was in the service, he actually jammed with uh, Nat King Cole at a at a nightclub in the in the village. He uh, he asked to sit in, and uh, my, um, Nat King Cole kind of demurred, and he sort of had tears in his eyes, and then he said, "Okay, okay." You can play one song with us. And they were kind of blown away because he can really play. He's really great. And he sat in for like several numbers with them. It was like a real a real high point for him. Um, but he was a you know, classical musician. So there was always music, uh, I guess, around my, my house, like from my family. Um, but then I got into... Um, Hardcore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> after, after a little detour with ACDC. Exactly. That was very early. Uh, uh, but there was what, a lot happening in Madison, as you probably know and remember. Well, Madison uh, is a, a college town. It's in between two lakes. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know who, ended, who ju- we just lost that lived there for maybe the last 40 years of his life was a Clyde Stubblefield, incredible drummer I man. I know. I used to see Clyde around. He had a Monday Night Blues Jam at That's okay. right. I yeah, heard about that. Yeah. Um, and it was just a real happening time. I mean, you were coming through all those bands, Black Flag. And for us, it was a lot of the local bands, like, you know, Detroit and Tar Babies. Um, sure. Detroit was Bucky. Me, but, yeah, my gigs in those days were, were put on by a guy named Tom Layton. Great cat. Tom Layton, I remember him. Right. I remember him he did all well. my gigs, you know, a lot of different pads. Uh, yeah. Buddies with Robin, who played uh, was the first bass player for Tar Babies. Right, Robin Davies. Yep. Rob, Bucky, Robin actually, I first Bucky. met him when he was doing Helper Man stuff with the Hooskers on their first trip out here west. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so always anyway, so that's yeah. but that's a little later on. Yeah. What, what about it? Like in uh, grade school or junior high? Did you play an instrument in, in class? Um, I was playing piano. My my parents gave me piano lessons. I really hated okay. my teacher. She always made me cut my fingernails. Uh, <laughs> so you had a bad experience with uh, piano lessons. 
I did. And then then I hooked into the That's guitar. That's not an uncommon story. No. No, first I had a great experience, actually. My first teacher turned me on to Scott Joplin, which was like a revelation. And then he moved away to Boston. What was his name? His name was Bill Lutz. Thank you, and he Bill. Bill L-U-T-E-S. And he moved back to Madison to do the classical music show on the local public radio station. But he had moved away to get his PhD. and But he had one of those like really open-minded perspectives about music. And he just let me kind of pursue my interests. And I remember I was obsessed with Scott Joplin um, and tried to convince my parents to drive a thousand miles out of our way on a family vacation to go to Texarkana, Texas to go to the Scott Joplin Museum. <laughs> but wow. they wouldn't do it. Uh, now, was, so, there, there was, a, was there a piano in the living room? Yeah, there was. There was. My mom could play. You know, she went to music school for harp, so everybody played. In fact, she, um, Harry Parch, she went to Champaign-Urbana and Harry Parch was teaching there, so she was kind of like, wow. She was interested in the avant-garde stuff. Because when I, I, you know, I played that town a lot, U, uh, University of Illinois, kind of a doctor school. Kind of, yeah, yeah. I think this was a long time ago. Okay. Um, and Parch wasn't like super welcome there. Um, he was always kind of like shuffling around with his instruments, but um, <laughs> but he spent a couple of years there. No, I and, think he was a California guy, really. He was mostly California, but then he would like go to various gigs like sure, at university sure. to, to do his thing and spend like a year there maybe. And my mom happened to be there and she was really taken, you know, with him and his his whole vision. So there was there was some weird stuff too. Mostly it was like cantorial stuff and like yeah. classical music. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably where she was coming from. What about you? You know, you're talking about the hardcore. Did you have some bands, some garage bands with buddies from school? We did. Um, Wanda and the Bushmen was our band. We used to play at a neighborhood center called uh, the Wilmar Neighborhood Center. You probably you probably played there. I don't know. But they had gigs every Friday and Saturday night. And, like, Sonic Youth would play there. But it was a lot of, like, local regional bands like Crucifix. Oh, uh, that's Steve Shelley. Yeah, yeah. And Doc Dart, uh, they would play there almost like once a month. Okay, but, uh, okay. Um, Wanda so and the Bushman. Wanda and the Bushman. What did you play? Wanda, I played guitar and I tried to write songs. We were really influenced by the uh, the Clash was a big influence on me. Less so some of my peers. You know, there was a lot of orthodoxies in hardcore. Oh yeah, I know that. <laughs> you know. That's so, the way humans uh, are. <laughs> humans love to do that that stuff. Exactly. So, but I, do I remember, really, do, Dan, do you remember your first gig? Was it at this place? It was at the Wilmar Neighborhood Center on Jennifer Street. Yeah, I was so I could barely. I think I was probably four foot ten. I was like, well, thirteen maybe. I guess thirteen, and uh, and we were so nervous and excited, and it was amazing. I mean, every night. Every weekend night, it was just packed, and there'd be like four or five bands. And you're writing, you're writing original songs. We were writing original songs, all originals. That, that's uh, great. Necessarily hardcore, kind of slightly, slightly Clash-influenced. Um, Did you guys ever record? No. Okay. No. It wasn't super... Maybe on cassettes. I got to go through... My mom just passed a few... Months ago, so I think there's some Sorry. stuff that I just haven't 
seen yet there. There might be some cassettes, but nothing, never in a studio or anything like that, or even a four track, you know, so. Okay, let's, let's listen to some of the new uh, live barbers.
every entrance, and every time, they can hear us lost in the battle of another time. But every entrance, every time, they can hear us lost in the battle of another time. No, I can't believe this. No, the words all rhyme. No. Song I'm singing, there was through infinity and back to me arrives. No, long ago in the prism. No, I thought I recognized. No, myself on the poster, turn around and see that it was me the whole time. Okay, um, that that sounds fine. You're almost sane You're all arranged You're underneath Dynamite You're inside me Your watermelon seeds Another
Watford Pedro Show. I forgot to say what we started the show off with John Coltrane doing Training In, live from uh, Stockholm 63. And then we had Barbez from the new album with Felina Brown doing Alas Barracadas. And now this chunk of music here, we had some more from that record. Barbez, Felina Brown, No Passaran. Then Yellowstone Apocalypse with uh, Old Faithful. Tenko, Passing by the Night. Uh, the Space Pony, Butterfly Live tune there, um, Mold Omen, they might be on New Jersey, Space Pony out of Ravenna, Italy, where they got uh, Mr. Dante's Bones and Tenko out of Tokyo, of course. Uh, a Baker's Dozens, a Dozen of Hammers, and then Marco Sorato, the Mountain Builder, I think he's out of uh, Barcelona. Uh, the Breakfast Cowboy, the Exotic Cop Lingle, that's Portland, Maine. Swenson Klein out of Canada with Scarecrow Hair. And finally, something, uh, another uh, track from the new Barbez of the Lena Brown album, Pete Boggs' Soldiers. So how, how, how long did this band last? Uh, oh, uh, Wanda and the Bushman? Yeah, Wanda and the Bushman. Maybe um, three to four years. Um, I kind of moved out of that and then started to get really into classical guitar. Um, I went to, I studied with this Hungarian kid who was just brilliant at my uh, school. His name was Daniel Biro. He's a composer now living in Victoria, Can uh, British Columbia. In the island. Yeah. 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 You know who really? lives there? The, the no means no guys. Oh, is that right? Is that right? Yeah. I remember, was DOA from... From there, or no, well, maybe for, maybe they were from for sure Vancouver. that area, Vancouver yep, and stuff. Yep, but from yep. the island, I know for sure no means no guys are, and I okay. think they they quit. No more oh, no there, means no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very sad. Great band. So yeah. okay, you start uh, learning classical guitar. So what, like a, a nylon string, Spanish nylon string, Spanish. I got really yeah, into Deepen like got into that stuff. Is that right? Yeah, I remember. Well, you can hear a, a track on Double Nickels. You know, we each had a solo song. And he That's had right. one called Cohesion, which is basically a kind of a take on La Linda, if you know, old flamenco. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I learned that, too. And I remember that, too, and I, for, I forgot the name of it. But I think yeah, even the Doors kind of uh, appropriated some of it. They call it Spanish Caravan. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Their, yeah, that sounds right. One of the records. But La Linda, I think, is the original Spanish. Okay, so... You're not you're not really rocking out with the, the with the guys, and you're just doing no, man alone no. self study, right? Self study, and then I went to conservatory for like two years at University of Wisconsin and dropped out because I did. I realized I didn't want to be a classical musician, Badgers. and that yeah, and it was too rigid. And I loved the music. You know, it's, but, you know, people don't understand about that, but but they have a, a certain kind of thing you buy. To put your foot on, yeah, yeah. right, and yeah, the foot pedal, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah. a foot pedal, but it's not for like turning on a fuzz control. It's no, just to make no. sure you got a certain kind of height on your leg. That's right, that's right. And now they have the pillow too, which is oh a yeah, right. <laughs> the pillow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, they, they didn't have the pillow. Maybe if they had the pillow back then, I might have stayed with it. But okay, uh, no. Then I, I moved to New York, and okay. um, you know. Um, I'm sure you know Swans. Of course, Michael. I, In fact, Michael's from up the hill here from Pedro, uh, Pals Verdes. 
Is that is that right? I forgot he was from California. Yeah, he had a band here for a little while in the uh, not not just right after the Mass days. The the other Mask on Santa Monica Boulevard. I think they were called. Oh. I don't know. I can't remember the name. Something yeah, cripples I, I, or strict ID or I can't remember. Not, but it, he went to New York City and did all the music that he's known for now. Yeah, that's uh, right. Okay, well, so when you, I, you meet Michael, Michael Gira. Oh, I, I didn't meet him, but I became friends with Norman Westberg. Um, oh, guitar man that's played in Swords. Yeah, exactly. You know, by a, a weird thing, I'm on an album with him. Is that right? You know, because of the wonder of the internet, right? You can provide tracks without being there. Oh, and, is that Carla Kilstad's record? No, oh. this was a guy from Cleveland named uh, Matt Waskovich. Okay. And he's done something called Hidden Rifles. And Norman, okay. there's two guitar men, and Norman's one of them. Oh, I love Norman. Yeah, he's just one of the best. And uh, that's so, great. I, I'll have to seek that out, Mike. I didn't know. No, it's brand new. It's brand new. Okay. And in fact, okay. I think maybe it's still another month till it came out. I hope I didn't blow it. Uh, oh. so, so, so meeting Norman is a big change. It's a big change. And um, he was quitting a band. I was working at the Strand Bookstore. Wow, and, a lot of guys have worked at that store. Exactly. Yep. And I, uh, you know, I, I think met, like Dick Hell and Tom Verlaine. Yeah, Verlaine used to come in all the time. And, no, but I mean, in the early seventies, they actually worked there. I think right. I just finished the uh, memoir by uh, Dick Lloyd. Oh, is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. A, and yeah. I think he worked there too. Terry York he, and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Maybe Patty Smith too. I, I don't. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a point of entry for all of us lost souls, you know, moving to New York to start I think band. Tim Wright, the uh, oh, Tim Wright worked there. The when Peru, yeah, the Perubu guy who turned into a DNA guy with Ardo. Exactly, he was there when I was there. Yeah, we became friendly. I was I remember Tim. He was also driving a cab at night. Uh, but uh, it was quite a quite an amazing experience. Uh, and Norman would come in, and we became friendly. And then he. Um, he was quitting a band named Sulphur, which was a pretty amazing kind of Lower East Side band, sort of connected to this scene. I don't know if you ever heard of this band called Mother Headbug. No, which, but like, I know about Elliot and Carbon. No, Elliot's, Elliot, no, it was kind of a little bit connected to that scene, but this was sort of guys from Cop Shoot Cop. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember those guys. And then this two, was an two, offshoot. Two, two, two bass players. Yeah, yeah, two bass players. So Mother Headbug was an offshoot of them, and Sulphur was an offshoot of that. Okay. And I was the guitar player for a bit, and I found that I really loved playing rock music again, and, and it was amazing. And then I, I started Barbez out of that, because uh, Sulphur kind of broke up soon after, and, and I just uh, it didn't work out for me and them. But did Sulphur ever record with you? He did. Not with me. No, with Norman. Uh, the whole the record had come out already. It's a great album. It's called Delirium Tremens, I think. Um, it's really great. Uh, it was like with ten instruments. They had a lot of unusual instruments, like you know somebody just playing floor tom and then uh, you know violin and um, it, it was really great uh, music. It kind of inspired me to to do my own. Thing and there was a lot of that stuff happening in, in New York at that time. People bringing in different kinds of instruments. And what, what, what um, time are we talking about? Like ninety four or five, maybe um, something like that. Even earlier, probably going back. But when I'm starting to 
get into it. Like from '94 to like the late '90s, that that time there was a lot of like kind of experimentation in the in the rock scene here. There was a lot of stuff happening at the Cooler. You probably remember that club. Yeah, uh, but that was yeah. on the other side, wasn't that West? Yeah, it was all the way west in the like. It was like where they did the meat packing and shit. Yeah, the meat packing. I think it was well, once like a, maybe a cooler or something. Shit. It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Where it got its name, maybe. And I know John Zorn was big. It was called the Lower East Side scene, and uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of avant garde. Yep. Yep. And Elliot was always a big. Well, comic. Elliot, I think, was way ahead of that curve in a way. Oh, he was. He was. But he was like kind of like. One of those towering figures over the scene, you know. Still towering yeah. to me. I love the man. Look, we made it uh, to the end of the first hour, August 30th, 2017 edition. Watch for Pedro Show, special guest Dan Kaufman. Hold tight for hour two. August 30, 2017. It's the second hour of the Watch for Pedro Show. Trenches 
For Pedro Show, we start off the second hour with Barbez doing Fry Height live, Belina Brown, then Love Theme. That's uh, nephew Alex doing it's something for the this new uh, Twin Peaks, or not new but uh, revived. Docklands, Yamate, and Plum Garden. Uh, no longer dirty beaches. It's Love Theme. And then Brandon Etter Ensemble. That's from over here. This cat gave this to me. And uh, yeah, the different Highland Park. <laughs> you must have that gentrified thing over there that completely changed his neighborhoods. But this guy Brendan, uh, quite a composer in a tune called Start. And then uh, Nels Klein from his new double album or latest, The Bond, brand new out of uh, Cleveland, dual decibel system, Lampina, and finally. Nano face with we machines. Okay, let's. You put in some time with sulfur, but you said that led up to Barbez. Yeah. Let's let's. Where did Barbez come? What's what's the story on that? Well, the name. I, I was living in Paris for about six months, and it's the name of a neighborhood I lived in called. Um, that was like a really like heavily North African and West African, really nice, interesting, diverse place, and very vibey and so we had my childhood friend Carl McGuire my my best friend growing up in Madison he was in New York and uh he played accordion and then we were looking for people we advertised in the uh, village voice and found a drummer oh, and he left Paris no it was back in New York I just took the name from from okay, that neighborhood from when you lived there six but not yeah, I understand it's, now exactly so and so then you're running, um, you're running ads. Hey, by the way, I heard the voice is no more. The voice is gone. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be online still. But, but no, it more, has pr- print no more print. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you run an ad in the voice. We run an ad in the voice. It was something like you know, like uh, interested if you like Shostakovich, De Kreutzen, and I don't know what else. It was it was a yeah, funny geez. ad. Um, but we were. Um, we kind of started from there, and there was a lot of personnel changes pretty soon after. Oh, so there was takers right away. Oh, yeah. I mean, not right away. But you and your buddy were the core. We were the core. Then a, a great bass player named David Cannonstein, who uh, joined us. He was in a band called Vardo, which, uh, you know, this woman, I don't know if you ever heard of this band called Fawn Fables. But they're kind of part. She's part of the sleepy time. Well, she's. Oh yeah, I remember those people. But they were from the city. They're, 
right? SF. Yeah. yeah. Well, she she lives in the they live in the Bay Area now, but she was in New York, and so she had this band Vardo, and David was in that band. Well, because so you, was- you said uh, earlier uh, the the violin lady, uh, click, uh, click, Carly oh, clicks. <laughs> She's one of those. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a small world. It's a small world, Dan. It's but small world, you know what I want to get into. Okay, you take this name from the neighborhood you lived in in Paris. Yeah. But you and your buddy, Mr. McGuire, did you have uh, a musical kind of focus? Yeah, well, we wanted to break up. We wanted to... Uh, I mean, the guy's on accordion. You wanted something. You weren't going to do a... What was that guy? Dick Cantino? Who was the last great accordion rock star, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't It wasn't that. Dick um, Cantino that- or something like that? Remember <laughs> that guy? That sounds right. I think no, out was of the fifties. It was definitely trying to trying to trying to rock it. Um and we were, you know, um I think that was it kinda came out of that um sort of dark kind of New York stuff, that band mother headbug that I was telling you about. Um but it was also like our, our own thing. It was hard to describe. We were both kids from the Midwest. Um yeah. and as I said, like Detroitson was one of the biggest influences on me i loved their their sound and yeah they were um, trippy minutemen got to play gigs with them oh is that uh, yeah that makes sense i mean they were madison uh, milwaukee you know yeah exactly exactly who else was there bulldozer i think killdozer 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 too yeah killdozer from madison um i think uh, a lawyer now that lives in socal though but anyway uh so okay because why I'm asking, Dan, is because you said there's a lot of dudes coming in and out of the band. So, so what made it like, hey, you're good, you're a keeper. Hey, you're a like, bye bye. Well, it was, it was more like the New York thing where people get uh, busy and um, you know it's hard to keep. Well, well, for the first few years it was pretty stable. We were expanding more than anything. We had we added a marimba player, which was kind of unusual. We were we were looking to kind of break up the sound of you know, bass, guitar, and drums, and, and but also bring that spirit to our music of, like, still the rock spirit, but with, like, a different kind of orchestration. Um, so we had, and then pretty soon I met a really, one of my dearest collaborators, this incredible theremin virtuoso, Pamela Kirsten, who now is Pamela Stickney. She, uh, she and I hit it off. She was doing a show, a solo theremin show at the Planetarium. She's actually from uh, Irvine. Um, and she's incredible. And we, yeah, she joined the band. Um, and we just kind of kept growing kind of organically with what we were doing musically, taking in different things. We started getting it, doing a couple classical covers, like our renditions of like Alfred Schnitke, this Russian composer. Well, it seems like a lot of stuff on this uh, new record is from Spanish Civil War. This is all songs from the Spanish Civil War. This is another obsession of mine that I've had since I was a kid. Let's listen to Song of the United Front.
change is what this boy likes. Moving on to something new. Yeah, change is just what this boy likes. America always has been rumbling, clattering with change. The land with no antiques. Worthless, fast-collecting collectibles. Now the past two decades have exploded with change for us all. My peaceful time from youth changed, and I cut my teeth running like a dog and grabbing what I could get. If it is roadkill, it is not wasted. We have short-changed destiny to cram as much as possible into what we have now. Our lives, our yards, our bank accounts. The only way to get unstuck is to jump and it hurts. But I jumped to stay ahead of the light that would leave me a sin shock. I would jump when the unions are broken, say, saying goodbye to brothers and furniture. I jump when the money is low and just no edge to stand on. I jump when my city seems useless and they have run out of places to go. I'm jumping into change now, foreshortened and brutal. And I've got a grip on reality so I don't get dizzy moving. The stability of the last generation, even my quiet childhood, might as well have been 3,000 years ago because can't hear them talking in the cell phones, won't listen, portable radios on, don't really stand around anyway. Don't stay around by not moving too fast. I make progress and bring about change among everyone hurrying around me, making the normal seem so strange. Every night I pray The same lonely dream 
for Pedro Show. We heard a song United Front. After that, feel the ultimate joy towards the result of Pillar Being Shattered Within You Part 2 by uh, Nazo Ronai. I think that's uh, K.G. Hino. He's one of the members there. Healers with Weekends on Death Street. Rough Mix from Red Party doing Welcome to Catastrophe both those Chicago area. Joe Brewer out of Madison, Jack Brewer's cousin from Sacred Trust, oh, wow. with a change and mo- moving poem. Aloha um, with Little Green Man, Little Green Pills, and finally N from Jimmy Russell. So, yeah, let's talk about the, the, this Barbara Barbez album. Uh, Ciao, Bella? Bella Ciao. Bella Ciao, Ciao. sorry, sorry. Excuse no me. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's that a, kind of a, a trippy focus. Uh, I don't know if you uh, listeners out there know it, but there's an old tradition of Jewish music in Rome. Explain, Dave. Yeah, that, um, well, the Roman Jews are this really, um, they've been in Rome for more than 2,000 years. They came before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, and and they have this uh, kind of unique music that sort of developed over those centuries that's sort of different than other Jewish traditions in Italy and the rest of Europe. They're they're, They're not considered Sephardi or Ashkenazi, the two main designations. Anyway, this composer named Yotam Haber turned me on to these melodies, and I I fell in love with them. And I approached um, John Zorn, a, a, 
a guy that supported us before and really amazing composer and friend who um, saxophone player saxophone player amazing human and I said you know I'd like to do a record kind of our kind of a sort of radical interpretation of these melodies you know in in our context and uh, he was like great so we did that and I went to Rome to kind of learn more about them and I heard some of the they were they were preserved from being lost forever by a kind of the Alan Lomax of Italy, this guy named Leo Levy, who recorded a lot of elderly Jews after the Holocaust in Italy singing these songs. And they're archived at a library there. So I went to hear them and uh, kind of this, made some mental notes. Uh, Dan, this is kind of a cappella? These are a cappella melodies. Yeah, that's how they were preserved. And some people tried to notate them. Uh, they're kind. Of, it's like hard to notate because it's very, you know, it's like an old blues person. I mean, they're or, very or maybe like sea shanties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like all of that stuff. Very folk tradition um, passed yeah, along. Yeah, you, you had to hear the guy sing it, and then you, you sing had, it to the next guy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and they were in danger of being lost a little bit because sure, sure. the um, you know they hadn't been used in the synagogue for quite some time. So only these elderly people that had survived remembered them but he saved them uh, thank and, you uh, thank you Mr. Levy, Levy well, yeah for doing no it takes it takes a brave cat like that it really does it really does and uh, so we're and then we, we uh, when I was there I kind of got interested in the period of the occupation of Rome when the Nazis took over the city and there was a lot of resistance activity that kind of inspired me. I was walking down a street one day and they left like one building still with bullet holes in it because they wanted people to remember where this big partisan action had happened, um, where it was the biggest action against Nazis in uh, Nazi-occupied Europe, um, where they, these partisans blew up a convoy of, of uh, German soldiers marching. And anyway, that kind of stayed with me, and I sort of connected it. And Bella Chow is a famous partisan anthem, so I kind yeah, of want. Of course, wanted... of course, that's why I felt so stupid about saying it backwards. <laughs> so we kind of merged it, and um, we did a cover of that song using this great singer, Don McCarthy from Fond Fables, as the vocalist. She, of course, the magic of the internet. She she did her track from. Uh, from I think Santa Rosa or something or Oakland, um, yeah. but um, but that was the story of that record. So mainly it's instrumental. Our take on it really pretty radically changed from what I think that's okay. You know, but it better it was, try to do a top forty cover of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. okay, Dan. We're at the end of the hour two, August thirty, two thousand seventeen edition of Wofford Pedro Show. You're my special guest. Everybody, hold tight for hour three. August 30, 2017, it's the third hour. What from Pedro Show?
From Pedro, show we start off the third hour with Los Cuatro Generales, Barbez live uh, with Valina Brown, uh, FGH out of Hamburg with uh, Magma, Murnau B, I think they're uh, Barcelona, Auto Distrocio Dos, David Gerard out of Massachusetts, Temporal Dissonance, uh, Chato Ghetto over here, uh, west side of SoCal. Chris Candy, Nightingale. And finally, Barbez with Valina Brown doing Semi Quieres Escribir. Uh, yeah, let's get to this record here. Uh, uh, this this uh, celebration of uh, Spanish Civil War 
stuff. Yeah, that that came about because um, I'm a sometimes I'm a writer too, and and I've had a long kind of interest in the Spanish Civil War, sort of obsession. And uh, I met when I was in high school. Uh, one of uh, my classmates' grandfather was a volunteer in the Abraham Lincoln Brigade, which those guys went over there to try to defend the government against these fascist revolt was aided by Hitler and Mussolini. And I was struck with it and um, stayed with me. And then I kind of met some of these guys in New York that were still alive and befriended them and wrote some articles about them. And Barbez started playing these reunions of the Lincoln Brigade, even though there weren't many vets left. And no, fact, and now, I think even not, in those days, like half of them didn't make it, right? Oh, yeah. Like a third died over there. Okay, were buried third, in Spain. Yeah. Um, and a lot were injured. They were really like almost like the shock troops. Um, but they were instrumental in saving Madrid. Um, and uh, the kind of, I think I was just kind of moved by the solidarity, the spirit of solidarity that they and other, it was like kind of, I think there was 40,000 people from 52 countries that went to Spain to um, to try to help. Uh, so it was a, uh, it was know, a link uh, of, oh, Did you, yeah. uh, while you got interested in this stuff, did you read uh, Mr. Orwell's uh, Amish Catholic? Lawyer. did read that one, yeah, and I read that Hemingway, too. I was, um, I think the thing that stayed with me, Mike, more than anything, was this particular, this this first-hand account of a guy named Clarence Kalin that came to my, to my alternative high school in Madison, and that was just like, uh, it was just a, a sort of, one of those, I can't, I can't explain it, but when you can kind of, leap across generations there was something that really stayed with me i was maybe 16 or 17 years old and it was very vivid you know what he described and and i i kind of couldn't believe what they had had done so so it sounds like the personal experience was profound on you it, it really was and i've i've always been sort of politically conscious and sort of interested in politics and um and uh, it just stayed with me. It was there. And then I had a chance to write about it and, and meet some of them many years later in New York and, and meet. There's an amazing organization. They're the ones that funded the record. They're called the Abraham Lincoln Brigade Archives. And they preserve the memory and the legacy of the Lincoln Brigade. They teach it in high schools. And, um, and it's really like a moral lesson in a way, like, what do you do? especially relevant in these times, you know, when things are turning really south and, and the example of solidarity, you know, to other people who might have a very different experience than you, but you can still empathize with them. And um, that, that's sort of the message. And, um, and these were just amazing, amazing human beings. And I got to meet the last, I, I interviewed several and then about, uh, on a couple of the tracks, we wove in uh, a couple of interviews. With, yeah, yeah, um, that's where you hear the speaking, right? Exactly. So that was a kind of, um, I felt like maybe they should have the last word somehow. Uh, or at least speak for part. themselves, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Okay, let's so, listen to uh, Venga Aleo.
Watching you like a cherry tree. I've been dreaming about watching you like a cherry tree. I've
October 24th, 1915, in Brooklyn, there were recruiting volunteers all over the world to go to Spain. How can I get up in front of a crowd and talk about supporting the Spanish Republic when people are going over there to fight? That's what pushed me in that direction. And then I began to see pictures of what's going on. And there were pictures of bombardment in Madrid. place where I learned that I didn't have to know that I was going to win in order to fight. It became the main thing of my life, and that is that you resist, whether you win or lose, you resist. Walk from Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Barbez and Valina Brown doing Venga Leo, then Xenia Rubino's Cherry Tree, Erotic Birhan and his Heretics out of uh, Zagreb, Rock and Roll Revolution number 5, Senor Al of Southern London doing Peace Be Upon You. And finally, Barbez with Valina Brown doing Viva la Quinche Brigada. So, I have no more Barbez to play <laughs> until you come up with some new stuff. But you, you were just saying you got something on the side burner? I do have a little project with my drummer, uh, John Bollinger, who's in Barbez. And we have a little band called John and Dan, just very all kind of... Um, we did a little tour of Europe. We're working on a record. We're about halfway through it. Uh, with, uh, And I, sh- I want to give a shout-out to... Mr. Martin B.C., who oh, yeah. recorded all of our stuff and, and did amazing work. I mean, because it's live, but we added um, some special guests and we mixed it really, you know, it was multi-track, so we mixed it with Martin and um, he's done every single Barbell recording. It's just an incredible... Um, I got to be in the studio when he was doing Evil by uh, Sonic Youth. Oh, that's right. That's right. You guys did, you did a trap. It was where he had the control room in the same room where you play. There was no booth. 
Yeah, there was no separate booth. It was the trick. I've never seen a studio like that before. Uh, it's changed a bit since no, then. But this but, was in uh, Brooklyn at a time when there wasn't really a lot of stuff going on in Brooklyn. That's right. That's right. Martin's been there since I think 1980. He he no, started. No, he's a pioneer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the yeah. other guy after him, Cleveland guy, Tony Mamoni. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. To- right. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, but we've done everything with Martin. And so me, me and John have this, this, uh, what's, his this name? what's that name? Progeny. Uh, it's John and Dan. Okay. It's John and Dan. Yeah. The straightforward. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get more straightforward no, than that. No, no, So you're about halfway done. So something's going to come with this, just guitar and drums. It's guitar and drum. Well, actually I play a little, um, Bass. Some we switch instruments oh, okay. a lot doing it, and uh, there's some singing. Yeah, because um, you know these bands with just guitar and drums. I'm always thinking that poor lonely kick drum. I know. Well, like one of the bands, like Cinema Cinema, right? There, you know. Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah. Any... No, the, I know. I think I the first little... one, uh, the first one was uh, Dexter, uh, Flat Duo Jets. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, um, but that's what, but yeah, but Barbez will work on, we're going to do something, something new. Um, you know, all of us have small children. It's just a little, little harder, but we're all just, it's like a family. Uh, you know, there's a lot of love there and a, a lot of, um, whenever we get together, it's yeah. just a lot of, you know. A great man once said, no wine before it's time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, but we're all psyched about this music cause it was, uh, it's an interesting, you know, time to put it out there with uh, with what's going on, and and I think you know it's nice that if people can think about like where those songs like you played Peak Bog Soldiers, you know that was a song that was written in uh, concentration camp, the first one in Germany, 1933. The prisoners were all like left left as prisoners, and uh, they wrote that song there, and Paul Robeson then sang it to the volunteers in. Uh, in Spain when he went there and it's just I think it's just an important sort of message for this moment that you know that there can be such a thing as solidarity and uh and it's frightening a bit you know these revival of some of these groups so maybe it's a good time to remember you know the opposition from that time so absolutely and if you don't Learn the history, you're condemned to repeat it, right? That's right. That's okay. right. Uh, I really want to thank you so much for being on the show, Dan. I can't wait to hear this uh, two for side project music and also the new Barbez. Well, thank you, Mike. Oh. It's been such an honor and such a pleasure to well, speak right with you. We'll right back at you. So as soon as you get that, let's get you back on the show, okay? That sounds great. That sounds great. All my best to you. Thank you, you brother. Right thank back. you. Okay. August 30, 2017, Dishwap for Pedro Show. People. Keep your powder dry.